Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guest and their journey through entrepreneurship. We Cantor here, another episode of Startup Showdown, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Rebecca Taylor with Go Coach. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Go Coach. How are you serving folks? Yeah, so we're a learning platform. We work with companies to help them bring access to education and learning opportunities for all their employees within their organization. And it's nice because we're also working in the higher ed space. So we're introducing students to the ability to develop their soft skills through our learning platform too while they're still in school. So um, the name Go Coach, is it so it goes beyond coaching? It does go beyond coaching. So it starts with coaching. When we actually first founded the company, we started with seven coaches and a couple spreadsheets. And our idea was kind of, let's make it really easy for companies to find coaches and, you know, to, for people to find the right coaches to work with within their company's, you know, provided structure. And then it's really kind of grown, you know, in the last few years, because for us, coaching is always sort of the beginning of where people start to learn. And it's really branched into more of a, you know, platform that supports all types of learning with the root of it being coaching, whether it's team coaching, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, um, or anything along those lines. So uh, what's your background? um, How'd you get involved in just this kind of thought process in terms of adding coaching as a, you know, as a career and building a, a platform around that. Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny. I, when I was in college, I was an English major, majored in creative and professional writing, thought I was going to work for the New Yorker and that I was going to spend my days, you know, making art. And, um, I actually ended up falling into HR when I got out of college and it was actually a really cool opportunity. I was working in the learning and development team at Lord and Taylor fifth Avenue, may it rest in peace. And so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, kind of developing training programs for people at all different levels of the company. And that kind of got me started on my HR path. So, you know, I sort of did the typical HR stint where I did some time as an external recruiter. Um, and then as a head of talent acquisition at a company where I actually ended up meeting my co-founder and CEO, Christy McCann. And so uh, when we were there, we were really working on building out different learning and development programs specifically to help their different employees better retain their staff and to create those career paths that, you know, every company really is looking for, for their employees. And so, you know, we had this, there's got to be a better way kind of moment when we were really working on finding the right coaches for the right people to kind of serve them where they need to. And um, so, you know, we sort of had this, we had a really great exit. You know, the company was acquired for just over a billion dollars. And we had this sort of, you know, what do we do now conversation? And that was really where the idea for Go Coach started. And over the course of a couple of years, I actually took a job as a head of people and culture at a Series A startup in New York, while Christy was really kind of laying the foundation for what was going to become Go Coach. And, you know, so we realized that there was a lot of opportunity to help companies address the different gaps that they had with their talent. 
talent. So there were so many companies that were hiring all these people and, you know, they were losing all these people because they would let them go when they were reaching sort of their plateau. And there was sort of this culture within these organizations, especially in the tech space and in the startup space where people weren't expected to stay at a company for very long. And so we really looked at that as something that was a problem that was worth solving because, you know, people would leave companies when they were losing the ability to, to grow and the ability to learn and companies were losing really great talent after spending all this money to hire them. And so we launched GoCoach with really this core of seven coaches and, you know, a spreadsheet. And it grew into, you know, something that we've really evolved to understand the different needs of, of the different companies that we work with. And so leaning into RHR backgrounds has really been a really strong sort of vision navigation point for how we're deciding kind of what our next steps are, because at the end of the day, our ultimate goal is here to support companies and to support employees to unlock their potential together. Now, do you find that um, coaching has evolved from back in the day where like a coach was only for the, you know, the, the highest performers or the, the highest executives. And now it seems to be trickling down throughout the organization and to use coaching and learning almost interchangeably. Like you, you have a coach, sometimes you need help and sometimes you need a helper, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) learning can happen in a lot of ways. And a coach is a great way to expedite some, you know, to get the best out of somebody that a lot of organizations want, but, you know, maybe historically haven't invested in them that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely has changed when we, you know, when you first think about coaching, everyone kind of thinks of the original coaching kind of concept where you had, you know, one person who'd be flown in to coach the executives at an organization and either spend all day with them once a month, rotating, you know, their meetings between these different executives or someone who would just sort of be there and only support a few members, a very few, very high up members of an organization. And, you know, it was very much based on being in person. It was very, it was very elitist. It was very much catered to supporting CEOs and executives. And what we've seen, especially over the last probably, you know, seven or eight years or so, is that the evolution of technology has really allowed the coaching industry to become a lot more democratized. It's a lot easier to access coaches and it's a lot easier to access coaches all over the world where the cost becomes a lot more effective for the coaches to work with a wide variety of people because they don't have to spend all this time and money traveling because technology and virtual coaching especially can kind of allow them to cast a wider net. And when we work with companies, it's really been interesting to see kind of, you know, how people evaluate whether or not someone is sort of a viable candidate for coaching. It, you know, like I mentioned, it always kind of had started with executives. Then it sort of segued into, you know, managers, directors, a little bit lower than executives, but still those that were kind of in, you know, a higher powered position within the company. And what we've seen during COVID really kind of starting when, when, you know, the pandemic started was employees are demanding the opportunity to learn and they're demanding the ability to increase their skills and to access different opportunities. And so as a result of that demand, companies are investing in coaching solutions that are actually available to all employees from entry level to executive level. And, you know, yes, the things that people work on in those coaching sessions will be different. You know, someone entry level might have, you know, what some might think to be simple things to work on, but for that person meeting them where they are, these are big challenges that they're looking to work through. 
And, you know, what we're really looking to create is a culture where everybody has a coach from day one. You know, when you're a kid, you're going through school and you always have teachers, guides and mentors. And then all of a sudden you graduate and you're on your own. And we're really looking at just sort of creating cultures that continue that element of nurture and continuous learning even throughout our entire careers. Now, is that when did you kind of get the sense that you're getting traction with that idea? Because that's a, a leap for a lot of organizations. I remember interviewing somebody in HR a while ago and they said, you know, when people talk about training and learning and coaching and things like that, they're like, what if we invest all this resources onto this person and they leave? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then somebody said, well, what if you don't and they stay? Yeah. Um, you know, are you seeing a change in that thinking is we have to invest in our people and their learning because we want them to stay a little longer. It's hard to get people. And yeah. and why are we always thinking the new person is better than the person we already have? Yeah. Yeah. So it has been an interesting shift because the great resignation is definitely influencing this because you're seeing people leave organizations regardless of whether they're getting invested in or not. Right. Um, And, you know, the different reasons that people are leaving organizations come down to things like salary. You know, that is kind of something that is always going to be a good reason for people to leave a company if they can get paid much better somewhere else and their current employer can't match that. I mean, that's hard to argue with. Right. Um, But what's interesting is that when you're seeing the data around why people are leaving their organizations now in mass, it has more to do with their work culture, their potential to grow. And so it's really kind of it creating this environment where there's a lot of data from the actual employees that's showing that they would stay organizations if, if more organizations were investing in them. And, you know, the historical way that people would invest where people would look at, you know, I'm going to put all this money into my high potentials and, you know, we're just going to hope that if they're invested and they're going to stay. But what's really kind of influencing this democratized element of it is if you put money into all of your people in your organization to develop, those who do stay will perform better because they're more mentally connected to the company. They're more engaged in their role, but they're actually seeing their own skills grow and develop as a result of what the company is providing to them. So they're more likely to stay on because they're seeing themselves grow and be successful within their role and they don't feel the need to look elsewhere. And so it's also the concept of sort of skills or currency, right? So employees know that the skills that they have are very, very valuable. And I always say this to organizations too, the skills that you have within your organization are the most valuable piece of your talent. It's not who has those skills. It's how strong those skills are within your organization. So if you're not continuously investing in the skills of your organization, then the value of your talent goes down. So it's really about kind of shifting the narrative from looking at it as individual person to collective group of skills and using that as a way to empower both learners and employers. So what is kind of the conversation you're having with your prospective clients or your clients? Like what's the pain they're having where GoCoach is the solution? Yeah. So it's a few different things that actually kind of map to the employee life cycle, which is interesting. You know, every organization has their own sort of unique challenges, right? But what we can really see is that it buckles down to kind of the basic things like employee retention, um, talent attraction, and talent acquisition. 
succession planning. So, you know, what happens when people do leave? How do we have sort of our next batch of, of leaders or people being able to step into those roles? Um, as well as things like burnout, change management, you know, DEI, these are sort of the main challenges that companies are facing in mass. And so we really work with them to address the different components that are influencing this. And we map it to how it influences the employee life cycle of attracting talent, retaining talent, developing talent, um, because that's really where you're going to see a lot of value in what you're doing from a people perspective. So what are some of the clues that your prospect has a problem that GoCoach can help them with? <laughs> Bleeding people and having a lot of open jobs is a really good indication of uh, that they might need some help. So when you see that there's a company that, you know, has a lot of people exiting and a lot of open jobs, you can imagine that, you know, they're losing people at a rate faster than they can acquire them. And so there's two different challenges to meet there. There's one, the employee retention side. So how do we, you know, stop the bleeding? And then two, how do we use learning as a way to attract more talent so we can, you know, hire people and really fill the top of that funnel? So that's really been the biggest theme that people are seeing now. And, um, you know, it's probably our biggest sort of call when we get onto a call with a customer and they're just like, everyone's having sort of this universal problem. And so what's nice is that they don't have to explain their situation. They don't have to explain that they're losing people and that they can't hire. It used to be a very taboo thing to say in HR. You never wanted to say that you couldn't keep your people and you couldn't hire people. But what's nice is that there is sort of this universal narrative that there is everybody reshuffling. And so you can get a very, very frank you know, perspective. And we've got a really sort of nice way to solve this problem, regardless of their industry. So has been as being a founder of a startup, has it been as you thought it would be? <laughs> I don't even know if I knew what I thought it was going to be, to be honest. I had, um, I'd say yes and no. I mean, yes, in the sense that it really is sort of empowering to see that you're doing something that companies think is valuable enough to spend money on and that they continue to spend money on, on this thing that you created, right? Um, seeing the impact that you can make on people who are working with a coach who without, without this company would not have been able to access that coach. You know, that is sort of something that I wasn't expecting as a founder to feel as personally gratified by, to be honest. Um, but then it was also the things that are expected are, you know, it's tough out there, right? Like it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to be a founder because there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. You know, you're at the end of the day, the buck stops with you when you're, you know, you want your company to be successful. Your teammates really look to you. And that level of responsibility is something that if you're going into entrepreneurship, you can't take lightly. You know, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. And so I think it was always inevitable that, you know, I'd sort of be here, but I think what's really Really cool is that, you know, you know, it's going to be hard, you know, it's always nice to kind of be able to, you know, choose your own destiny a little bit more and to kind of set a meaningful vision. But it really is cool when you can look back and see, oh, you know, all the hard work that we're doing and this idea that we had is actually something that's truly benefiting people's lives. And I know every founder says this, but actually changing the world and changing the way companies hire people and the relationship that they have to their employees. So that's been really cool. So um, what compelled you to get involved with Startup Showdown and uh, Panoramic? 
Yeah. So we were really looking for um, an opportunity to partner with investors who would be partners to us. And so, you know, we'd been bootstrapped for a long time by choice. We really didn't want to take money from organizations that didn't support our vision and our mission. And so we'd done a lot of research in, you know, about Panoramic and the the team that was the team that's there. And, you know, we saw that they were going to be a group or, you know, we assumed and thought that they were going to be a group that we would want to partner with and work with. And so that was the thing that we said, you know, hey, let's do this startup showdown, see if we can get a chance to meet with them and then see where it takes us. And so I think the piece of it that was really cool was just kind of the level of visibility that we had, but who we were able to meet in the process, you know, from other founders that were going through the same showdown process and, you know, really seeing who else is building cool stuff out there. Um, And we've loved working with the Panoramic team. I mean, they've really kind of felt like an extension of our team and it's the kind of partnership that you want from an investor. Um, As much as it's nice to say, you know, I'll take a check and then we can just sort of move on with our lives. We were really looking for groups that wanted to be part of the the vision and the mission with us. And we've really found that here. Now, um, any advice for startup founders out there that uh, maybe are going along the same path as you bootstrapping at first and then uh, then reaching out to partners afterwards? Is there some do's and don'ts that you would if you could if looking back at the journey so far? Yeah. So do take every conversation, you know, getting funding and getting investment is something it's very much like sales. I mean, it is sales, right? So you want to have a huge pipeline so that you have opportunity and you have options. So take every call. Um, and, you know, try to make as many connections as humanly possible with other founders, but, you know, don't necessarily rely on other founders to refer you to investors before you try to go and approach these investors yourself. So definitely take a, you know, sort of that self-driven yet community support, you know, community partnership element to it. Um, And, you know, do look at competitions like the Startup Showdown, look at accelerators, look at these types of resources, because they're not only a good way to get funding, but they're a really good way to get education too, and and a good way to kind of get that support that, you really need to understand how to be a founder because being a founder is a totally different job for every type of company. And so really finding that support from that community is really big. The biggest don't that I have though, is don't give up. I know it's probably really cheesy, but you're going to hear so many no's and you have to believe in your vision and your product and your idea and yourself and your team more than anybody else does. And you, you know, there is the opportunity to take constructive feedback, but don't let it don't let it set you off, right? Because companies that are looking for funding are looking to disrupt something. They're looking to do something differently than it's ever been done before. And you're always going to be measured around who's done something similar or what might have been done in the past. And you have to remain convicted that the whole point is that we're doing it differently. And there might not be a proven path that shows how this is going to work, but I know that we're going to be the ones to set it. That's the thing to remember when every moment of defeat hits you. <laughs> now, any advice for female founders, both you and your co-founder are female. I, is there anything that you would uh, advise uh, a young female founder uh, to, uh, going through the process that, uh, again, do's and don'ts from that standpoint? Is there is there groups that you found that were useful for you that were supportive Or is this something that you've done just kind of on your own where you're just like kind of um, carving the path uh, within your own team? 
Yeah. So I'd say, I mean, you know, the, the female founder question is always one that kind of comes with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, I guess, an asterisk. So we found a lot of support in the female founders association. They've been really, really great. Um, but I think it's important for any founder to sort of find a diverse network and community so that you can find other people who are like you, but also people who can challenge you in a really good way um, and who you can really kind of grow and evolve your yourself and your idea through. So, you know, Female Founders has been a really great association. Um, but, and I know that this sounds like a plug, but the best thing that any founder can really do on this path is to get a coach. So if you're a female founder and you're looking for funding, expect it to be different, expect every conversation to be different than you anticipate. But if you work with a coach, I think that was what was really powerful with Panoramic too, is there was a lot of practice sessions going into the startup showdown. You know, we had a lot of support to prepare and to present ourselves in a really strong way. If you're working with, if you're working with a coach or a mentor or an advisor, you know, let them prep you, let them, you know, help you understand how to tell your story in the best way. And, you know, that's probably the piece that's going to be the most important because it's really hard to tell the story of your startup in a way that makes other people care about it the way that you do, because no one's going to care about your company the way way that you do. And so taking advice from people who can say, this is what's interesting. This is what's going to catch people's attention. It's definitely, you know, an important way to, to, govern all of these types of conversations. And the best way to really hone that is to work with a coach. (laughs) Now, has there been a point uh, anywhere in the journey thus far that was kind of a make or break where you're like, I don't know if this is going to, if we're going to make this. And then if so, how did you kind of get through it? (laughs) Uh, I'd say COVID was definitely a big one. Um, So when, you know, when the world shut down in early 2020, we were, a company that was just over a year old. So we were still brand new, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we were still bootstrapped. We were selling into HR and, you know, all of a sudden all these companies started laying all these people off and, you know, we had the world was shutting down, you know, no one had any idea, like remember just sort of the ambiguity when COVID started and what was going to happen. So, you know, Christy and I had this conversation where we were like, what if this is it? What if this is the thing that kills the company? And so we sort of were like, well, we have all these trainings, we have all of this information, all these things that we, you know, are offering to companies. If this is what's going to bring the company down, let's let's go down swinging. Let's offer all of our stuff out there for free. Let's give people free coaching. Let's give people free training. Anyone who's lost their job, any company that doesn't know what to do, you know, register for our webinars. Let's get through all of this together. And it was actually pretty amazing. We we trained over a thousand people for free over the course of six months, just working with you know huge companies too. Um, and it was a lot of people who just didn't, you know, really know what else to do. And we coached hundreds of people back into their jobs for free. We were actually able to secure um, sponsorship from a company to actually pay our coaches who had initially volunteered their time. But we were able to get a grant to actually pay them for their time since they were coaching people back into into the workforce. Um, and so it was actually pretty cool because it was sort of that moment where when you're at your most desperate, you find out who you are. And when Christy and I were sort of at our most, like, if this is it, you know, let's just try to help as many people as we can along the way. It really became that moment where we realized the type of leaders who we were, and honestly, the type of leader who she is, um, cause she's made me in a lot of ways. Like I said, I've known her for eight years now, I think, um, 
And so it's been really, really cool to see how that continues to give back to us. I mean, we've gotten, it turned out to be a really great marketing campaign because once, you know, once people got over some of the humps and they started to have some money to spend, we were starting to convert a lot of these free trainees into paid customers, like through their big companies. Um, And so it's kind of like, you know, when you're at that moment where you think everything's going to, you know, kick it, go down swinging because you never know what can come out of it. And it's put us in a really good spot. And when you have uh, a good true north or a good why, then it mm-hmm. makes the things a lot easier because yeah. if your mission is to coach people, then getting paid or not getting paid, you should still want to coach people. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Because the why didn't change. You know, the money <laughs> exactly. might have changed, but the why didn't change. Yeah, the how changed a little bit, but the why definitely didn't. Then the why was all we had at that point. And it was actually kind of cool because we were expecting our clients to cancel their contracts. We were just like, oh no, what's going to happen? And a lot of our core clients were like, okay, we need you now more than ever. We had to cut our recruitment budget. So now we've got money that's already been budgeted. Let's do more training. Let's do more coaching. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see because I think we've done a good job at, at, you know, partnering with really good clients who are, you know, really forward thinking too. So it turned out to be, it turned out to be a good why on all ends. So what's next? Yeah. So we've got big plans. We're actually going to launch, we're going to start to kick off our series A fundraise, um, you know, later on in the spring. So we're really pumped about that. Um, And we're really looking at ways that we can continue to partner with some, you know, not just really interesting enterprise clients and B2B clients, but really, you know, carve out our space in higher education. Um, You know, we've been working with a lot of really great institutions to offer coaching to their alumni, their students, their staff. And so really continuing to grow our presence and our offering within the higher education space is going to be huge for us. Um, We're also partnering with some really great nonprofits to focus on upskilling, to get people out of impoverished neighborhoods, the skills that they need to work in in jobs within their cities. Um, So, you know, really kind of continuing to hone in on that why while continuing to, you know, sort of fundraise and evolve our platform into this really, really nice, slick, inclusive learning ecosystem. Those are the big sort of, you know, things and it's on to continue to change the world. (laughs) So what do you need more of right now? So, I mean, in terms of, I think in terms of uh, people, we always need more, you know, we always need more people. I think every time we hire someone new to the team, we get a really, really great story and perspective. So, you know, we are looking to hire some folks, especially on the entry level side into sales. It's about to be prime hiring season for folks who are graduating. Um, You know, so we're looking at bringing on some more people and, you know, we're obviously always looking for more customers, right? So anyone who's really looking at how they can change the way that they develop their employees within their organizations, we're, We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to, you know, we'd love to figure something out and make it work. Well, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team, is there a website? Yeah. So they can go to gocoachgo.com or you can email me at Rebecca at gocoachgo.com. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thanks, Lee. Thanks so much for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Startup Showdown. As always, thanks for joining us and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more and apply to our next Startup Showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right, that's all for this week. Goodbye for now.